Hello and welcome to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the audio broadcast ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Your mind is the greatest gift God has given you. That's why today we continue with a series called Rethinking Your Life. In these lessons, Rick shares nine biblical pillars we need to reshape our minds so that we can become more like Jesus Christ. Right now, here's Pastor Rick with the final part of a message called Rethinking the Problem of Sin. Sin does long-term damage. And we often think, because I don't see the damage right away, that maybe there won't be any damage. But it's like planting a seed. If I plant a seed, I don't immediately see the sprout. It takes weeks for the, for the seed to sprout and push up through the ground. And then it grows, and it grows, it becomes a bush, and it might even become a tree and get really, really big. But you plant in one season, and you harvest in another. And if I'm planting sin in one season, I'm gonna harvest it. It just isn't in this season. It's gonna come out later. And there are long-term results. It's kind of like this. Uh, Let's say uh, you and I went to New York City and uh, we went up on the top of the Empire State Building. And I happened to turn to you and I say, you know, I happen to not believe in the law of gravity. (laughs) And you go, well, Rick, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not, it's a law. Whether you believe it or not isn't gonna change it. It's just like people say, well, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in the Ten Commandments. Well, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not, nothing's gonna change that. God set up the universe with the laws of physics for the physical realm, and God set up the moral laws for the spiritual realm, and they both, you don't actually break God's commandments, they break you, because they're unbreakable. They're laws of the universe, just like the law of gravity. So I say to you, I don't believe in the law of gravity, watch this, and I jump off the Empire State Building. Now, I could be sincere, I'm just sincerely wrong. And as I'm floating down, about 40 floors down, somebody sticks their head out the window and goes, hey, Rick. I go, hi. They go, how's it going? I said, so far, so good. (laughs) But I'm going to eventually hit bottom. And I'm not going to break the law of gravity. It's going to break me. A lot of people are sinning right now and think they're getting away with it. So far, so good but they're only at the 40th floor and they haven't hit bottom. And the Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. And so there's a long-term result. The Bible says it like this in Galatians chapter six, verse seven and eight. Don't deceive yourself. You can't make a fool out of God. Whatever you plant is what you will harvest. You don't plant apple seeds and then get tomatoes. You don't plant bitterness and get love. You don't plant criticism and get other people loving you back. Whatever you plant is what you'll harvest. If you plant in the soil of your sinful nature, you'll harvest destruction. But if you plant in the soil of your spiritual nature, you'll harvest everlasting life. You know, we now know that when you do a behavior over and over and over and over and over, it actually changes your brain. This is new stuff. Science is finally catching up with the Bible. We didn't even know this 50 years ago. God has talked about for thousands of years that the sins of the father 
can be visited on the children to the third and fourth generation. If a mom is addicted to crack cocaine and she has a crack baby and the baby is born addicted to cocaine, it's not the baby's fault, the baby's innocent. But the sins of the mother are visited upon the child. And the anger that you have, and you, when you are angry and you lose your temper with your kids, you're setting them up to lose their temper with their kids. Sins get perpetuated in families, multiple generations. And not only does it work relationally, environmentally, it actually works physically. We now know that your brain can actually be changed by repetitive behavior, for good or for bad. Now, we didn't know this 50 years ago. Everybody used to think that the brain was pretty much set in stone by the time you were an adolescent, 13, 14, 15 years of age, and that your brain wasn't gonna change after that. That's just not true. We now know, every scientist knows, that what's called brain plasticity, that your brain can be molded for good or bad. Now, that's a good thing to know because it means if your brain has been naturally molded this direction, toward depression, it can change. Or if my brain has been naturally molded to be angry and have a temper problem, it can change. And if my brain has been molded to be fearful and anxious, it can actually change. But I've gotta change the way I think, that's why we're doing this series on rethinking your life. The Bible calls it repentance, changing your mind. And Jesus says you can change your mind. And when you change your mind, it changes the way you feel. And when you change the way you feel, it changes the way you act. But when you sin, you're not just affecting you. You're actually affecting future generations. I'm sorry, but some of you have reaped the results of sins of parents and grandparents. And from their bad behavior and their addictions and things like that, it harmed you. And it predisposed you in certain ways. I'm sorry, but here's the good news. You can break the chain. You don't have to keep perpetuating the family cycle of abuse or the family cycle of fear or the family cycle of anything in your life. Sin does have long-term circumstances. So just because I think I'm doing it now, I'm the only one that's certain. It's not. I want to live my life in such a way, in such a way, that my grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren can be blessed because of what I did. See, it works both negative and it works positive. Let me show you a positive. Look at this verse on the screen. 1 Kings chapter 15, verse four says this. Despite Abijam's sin, this is a guy named Abijam. He, he, he blew it. We don't know what it is here, but the Lord remembered David's love. That's his ancestor, King David. Despite Abijah's sin, the Lord remembered David's love and did not end the line of David's royal descendants. He said, I'm gonna bless this guy because of his ancestor. As your pastor, as your coach, as your friend, I want generations two or three from now to be able to go, I got blessed because my grandfather or my grandmother or my great-grandfather did the right thing. They weren't thinking, well, I'm doing it in secret and I'm not hurting anybody. You are, and you can use it for good. I want my grandkids and great-grandkids to go, I'm getting blessed because my great-grandfather was Rick Warren. And he didn't do it all right, but at least he tried. He tried to do what's right. 
He wanted to do his right. His heart was in the right direction. One more, number six. Disobeying God is neither fun nor funny. Disobeying God is neither fun nor funny. We fall for one of Satan's big traps. Satan wants to make us laugh at sin because if we laugh at it, it lowers our resistance to it. Anytime Satan wants to introduce a new sin to society, you know how he does it? Through comedy, through comedy. And he'll put it on a sitcom or on stand-up comedy where we, we laugh at sin and when you laugh at it, then you go, oh, that's not so bad. Sin put Jesus on the cross. That's how serious it is. It's not a laughing matter. But you know, when, when we laugh at somebody who's got drunk and they're you know, stumbling around, that's not funny. It's not funny at all. It's tragic. It's tragic. Now the Bible says this, Proverbs 10 to, a fool's fun is in being bad. Now isn't that the truth today? That on TV, the bad people are the cool people. The bad people have the fun. The bad people are sexy. The bad people are famous. In fact, I'm famous for being bad. I'm bad. <laughs> I'm really bad, bad, bad. And the Bible says that's foolish. They said the person who thinks doing wrong is fun is a fool. Proverbs 10.2 in the ESV version says, doing wrong is like a joke to a fool. Now the Bible says that the fool takes pleasure in doing wrong. Do you enjoy going to a movie and watch people commit adultery? The Bible says that's foolish. Do you enjoy watching other people sin? The Bible says if you do, you're a fool because it, 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 that kind of stuff destroys people. What, you know, I would never invite a couple over to my house and say, come on in and sit down and commit adultery in front of me. Mm. But I can turn on a TV and watch it. And the Bible says it's foolish to fill my mind with those kind of thoughts. The fool takes pleasure in watching sin. Now, why am I sharing this with you? Because I love you. And as a pastor, when you love people, you tell them the truth. And so I, sometimes I have to tell you the hard truth. And here's the hard truth, Romans chapter two, verse five to eight. It's talking about all of us. Because of your stubbornness in refusing to repent and turn from your sin, you're storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For there's gonna come a day of judgment when God will judge all people according to what they have done, and we're not gonna be late for that. And he will give eternal life to those who seek God. But for those who are self-seeking, and that's most of us a lot of the time, and reject the truth and practice sin, they will face God's anger. That's pretty sobering. Nobody wants to read that verse, but it's there. Now here's the good news. You can skip the judgment. You can bypass it because that's what the cross is all about. Jesus dying on the cross is the answer to everything I just read. In fact, God so badly doesn't want you to go through that judgment that he came to earth himself to die on the cross for you. Now, 
How do I break free from persistent sins? I'm talking about stuff that I just keep stumbling. I've stumbled in this area for years and years and years. And everybody's got their own area that they stumble. Some of you stumble with anger. You just lose your temper. You fly off the handle. Some of you stumble in depression and you just, you become a mute and you internalize it and you get sick and you get mad internally and you're merry martyr and you hold on to it. Some of you, you stumble in anxiety and you just worry all the time and, and, and you, get, you get sick from worry and you get sick from fear. And, and, and some of you struggle with lust and, and all of us have compulsions and all of us have areas where, and you know what, Satan knows your area and he'll work on that. And your area's not mine and mine's not his and on and on. But how do you break free from those persistent things? You go, I just keep falling in this area and I don't wanna do it. I don't wanna talk like that. I don't wanna be a gossip, but I am. I don't wanna gossip, okay? I don't wanna be rude to people, but I am. You know, how, how do you do that? Well, there are four things you need to do. Write these down. Number one, understand what Jesus did for me. On the cross, Jesus not only paid for the penalty of your sins, so you don't have to pay for it, but he also paid to break the power of sin in your life. He wants to forgive every sin you haven't even committed yet, the ones you haven't done like next week and next year, they've already been paid for on the cross. Now that's good news. But an even better news is through the, what Jesus did on the cross, and we don't have time to go into full explanation of this, he broke Satan's power in your life. And you now have the power to say no that you didn't have before. If you trust him, you have a power to say no that you didn't have before. It's more than willpower, it's Holy Spirit power in your life. Look at these verses. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Jesus personally carried away our sins in his own body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. All right, look at the next verse, 2 Corinthians 13, verse four. Although Jesus died on the cross in weakness, he now lives by the mighty power of God. And we too are weak, we're all weak, we get tempted, but we live in him and have God's power. Now, I have the power to say, no, I don't wanna do that anymore. I used, to not, I used to be defenseless against that sin, and I would get impatient, or I would get nervous, or I would get worried, or I would get angry, or I would get lustful, or I would get whatever it happens to be. You now have a new power. It's God's spirit inside of you. Look at this verse up here on the screen. Romans chapter six. Verses six to eight. Our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ on the cross. He didn't just pay for your sins. He took spiritually your old sin nature. It says crucified on the cross so that sin might lose its power in our lives. That's what I want. I want sin to lose its power in my life. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. If I died with Christ, how do you tempt a dead man? Dead man can't be tempted. That old nature can't be tempted if it's died. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also share in his new life. And all of us as, as believers, we know that Jesus Christ died to pay for our sins so we don't have to pay for them. That's good news. 
And if that's all there was, that would be good enough news that everything I've ever done wrong, the sins you haven't committed yet, the ones you're gonna do next year and the next 10 years, they've already been paid for. Jesus paid for them on the cross. That's called the good news. It's called the gospel. It's the best news in the world. All the things I've done wrong, the wages of sin is death. Jesus died for me, so I don't have to pay for it. God did not want me to have to go through judgment, so he said, I'm gonna come and die for your sins myself. Now, that's good news, but here's the even better news. Jesus wants to set us free not just from the penalty of sin. He wants to set you free from the power of it. He wants to give you a new power so you can say no to sin. Because willpower is not enough. We've all tried that one. He gives you a new power because of what happened at the cross. Friday night, I was at an event with uh, Lindsay, who is the owner and CEO of In-N-Out Burger. And she shared her testimony. And she told this story about, she said, you know, uh, for a long time, I thought like, here's this power strip, life is a power strip, and you plug things into the power strip. You plug in, okay, here's my family life, I plug that in, and here's my business life, and I plug that in, and here's my social life, and I plug that in, and here's my sex life, and I plug that in, and you know, here's, oh, my spiritual life, here's God, and I plug God in, and I plug all these things in my life in, into the power strip. She goes, that kind of mentality doesn't work. I finally realized God is the power strip. And I have to plug everything in my life into him, into him. He is the power strip. Now our time is up, but I know you hate to have unfilled blanks on your outline. So I'm gonna give you the fill-ins and make no comments on it. If you can write fast, I'll give you the last three steps and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more next week. The second key to breaking the grip of sin in your life is to let God give me a new nature. Let God give me a new nature. The Bible says if you have the spirit of God living in you, you're controlled by your new nature. Now you don't just have your old nature which wants to do the wrong thing, you got the new nature wants to do good thing and you have to say I want my new nature to win out. Number three, change the way I think about sin. Change the way I think about sin. It's not funny, it's not fun, it's not a joke, it's not comedy. It's serious, it put Jesus on the cross. I hope you'll go home and review these message notes because this is teaching you how to change the way to think about sin. It's unbelief, it's a lack of love, all right? It's the opposite of God. So go home and review this. Change the way you think about sin. You'll do it less. And number four, challenge the lie behind every temptation. When we started this series, I said there's a lie behind every sin. And we, we think, well, if I do this, I'll feel better. If we do this, I'll be happier. If we do this, things will work out great for me. You need to ask, what lie am I believing right now that's creating this temptation? You know, it's no big deal, it's not that big a deal, everybody does it, nobody will ever know, it's not that bad. Now my job as your pastor is to pray for your protection, and so I wanna close by praying a blessing on you right now and praying for your protection this next week. Would you bow your heads one more time? Father, I love these people, I look out on their faces and I pray for their protection this week. I know everything is coming against them, and. It forces them to say, live for yourself, live for yourself. 
Don't live for God. I pray you'll protect them from temptation this week. I pray you'll protect them from suffering this week. I pray you'll protect them from attack this week, from things that would discourage them. Lord, protect their mind with good thoughts as they spend time every day talking to you in prayer, reading your word. Protect their bodies. Those who are having health issues, heal their bodies. For those who are struggling with their finances, protect their finances so they don't have to worry about it, that money would be a tool for good, not a source of stress. Lord, for those who are in conflict right now and having tough relationships, restore, reconcile, bring forgiveness, bring restitution and joy where there's a, there's a strain in a relationship. For those who are confused, give them clarity. And for those who are the, that are tired, give them strength. Lord, may this week we be a little bit more unselfish. May we be a little bit more God-centered. May this week we realize that you are the power strip and that every area of our life needs to be plugged into you. I pray that you would bring great blessings to all that are hearing this prayer right now. And I pray this blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We are so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. Here's Pastor Rick with a letter from one of our listeners. Some of you may not know that Daily Hope is broadcast each day on Heartline Radio in Jakarta, Indonesia. Let me share a testimony I got from a man named Alex who lives there in Indonesia. Dear Pastor Rick, I've been blessed by learning the Word of God delivered by you. Almost every night I share the topics that I hear on Daily Hope with my children when we pray at night before bed. Pastor Rick, you and your broadcast have blessed our family. We pray that Daily Hope Ministry will continue to reach more and more people, not only in Indonesia, but all over the whole world. Alex, I want to thank you for blessing us with this note. This is the kind of note that keeps us going, that keeps us serving and working. I'm so glad you're sharing God's truth with your children. Now, the reason Alex is able to hear Daily Hope in Indonesia is because of you, because of your generous financial support. And from other listeners like you, we're able to take this message all around the world. I just want to say to you, thank you for your regular financial support. We love you. You can give right now by going to PastorRick.com or just text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. Again, that's PastorRick.com or text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. And thanks so much for your support. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.